May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. I came across an article posted in Christianity Today on Thursday that began as follows. This Holy Week, hundreds of frazzled preachers around the world have undoubtedly heaved a sigh of relief. Instead of having to fret over what illustration to use on Easter Sunday morning to capture their listeners' attention, they can simply seize the opportunity that the calendar has handed them. This year, Easter falls on April Fool's Day, which means that countless sermons will be able to employ some version of the following introduction. On Easter Sunday, we Christians celebrate the fact that a dead man came back to life. This might seem like the ultimate prank, because dead people just don't climb out of their graves, period. But this year, it turns out, God's April Fool's joke is actually true. As a pastor, how true that is. I mean, I've known that Easter would be on April Fool's Day since the calendar was put together for 2018. It's something that doesn't happen very often. The next time it happens will be 11 years from now in 2029. And it's also true that there is a sense in which every pastor and every pulpit is looking for the next, or they're looking for the great thing with which to start their Easter sermon. I mean, this is the Super Bowl of weeks. My kids counted it out and informed me earlier in this week that five times this past week we would be at church. Palm Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and of course, today, Easter Sunday. And I told Liz on the way home from church after Good Friday service that this is the one week in the year that I feel like we live at the church. We come and go repeatedly each of those days, driving back and forth and spending hours each time doing different things that were here. And then we come today, the Easter celebration, the highlight of the week. And like the quarterback in the Super Bowl, The pastor has the undivided attention of the congregation, visitors and members alike, in a way that he doesn't have the rest of the year, save perhaps Christmas Eve. So this morning, I have a message for you. Here is the earth-shattering, mind-blowing, most valuable player type of message this year, and I'm going to express it in one word. I didn't say I'm going to preach only one word. Harry might like that. (laughs) But I'll express the message in just one word. And here it is. Go. Our speaker at Synod this year, last month, the Reverend Canon Dan Alger from the Anglican Church in North America, showed us in the short time that he had how the biblical mandate is this one simple word from God. Go. To Adam and Eve, God says, Go. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. As Canon Dan put it, God said to them, You see what I have given you here in the Garden of Eden? Go 
and make the rest of the world like this. Then to Noah, after God cleansed the earth with the flood, God said to Noah, go, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. To Father Abraham, the very first word God speaks to Abraham is the word go. Go to the land I will show you. And this continues in story after story. And even with Jesus, I mean, prior to his ascension, which we'll celebrate in 40 days from today, Jesus tells his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. God's command has always been go. God's command has always been to fill the earth with the worshipers of God. Since sin entered the world, God's command has always been to fill the earth with the message of his redemption. Go, baptize them, and make disciples. And that message hinges on the truth of the Easter resurrection. For without the resurrection, what message would we preach? That Jesus died? So what? I mean, every other human, save Elijah, according to the scriptures, died. So what makes Jesus different? The answer is his resurrection. No other human that we know of rose from the dead dead in the way that God rose up the body of Christ from the grave. And in so doing, we have a new hope. We have a new life. We have a new assurance and perspective on death and life because of him. And Jesus says, take what I have given you, take what I have done for you, take what I have taught you, take what I have shown you, and go. And this is where the rubber meets the road. Because the Easter message and the Easter joy of that life that we have in Christ comes with a great demand on us. I mean, what good is it If we receive the message of the Easter resurrection and we do not listen to God's desire, that we go. For if we do not, then we become those who hide the great light under a bushel. We become the salt of the earth that has lost its seasoning. I originally started working on this sermon about a week and a half ago. And I came across this verse from St. Paul in Romans that was really the original passage that I was going to preach on. It's not an Easter passage, meaning about that first Sunday resurrection morning. But its importance cannot be stressed enough. Based on this Easter message that we have in Christ, who has overcome sin and death, and that in him we have life. And this is what St. Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now notice the emphasis on the others. How shall they call on him? How shall they believe? How shall they hear? But with such an emphasis on they... There is an equally or perhaps even greater emphasis implied therein. And that is, there must be those who help them. There must be those who have preached the message to them. 
What is interesting about God throughout the ages and stories and the pages of scripture is this. God usually just doesn't make people believe on their own. God in his own infinite wisdom has chosen his people to draw men to him. I mean, yes, God is the ultimate mover and changer of hearts. No one can call him Lord without the Holy Spirit first moving them to confess that. But God uses people to draw people to him. I mean, think of your own life. I would dare say that none of us have ever seen our Lord like St. Paul did on the Damascus Road that brought about his conversion. We've all had someone, a parent, a priest, a friend, a mentor, a co-worker, someone who has shared their journey with your journey in believing, someone who has shared the Easter story with you. So how would you have come to this point if it were not preached to you by another? God works through community. God works as people share their lives and as they share their faith with each other. So what does that say to us when we see this world? What does that say to us when we run into those who think they have no hope? Or have uncertainties about life because their loved one died or because they themselves are approaching death? What does it say to us when we are surrounded by those who are hurt on the inside but are struggling to keep it all together on the outside? What does it say to us when those near us feel useless and are stuck in a cycle of despair and destruction because they don't know how the true solution and healing or they don't know the true solution and healing that only Christ can bring. Or even harder, perhaps. What does that say to us when we encounter those with whom we disagree and who we naturally want to avoid because we don't think the same way as they? What does it say to us? How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How will they know? Friends, the answer is by us. So, beloved, on this greatest of days in the Christian calendar, when we celebrate the great message that has been spoken into our own hearts, I speak God's simple message to you today. It may be short, but it's so important. Go. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.